So then, of course, I go into personality. <laughs> because, again, you're going to be with this horse, I mean, hopefully for a very long time. You should get along. Um, I personally like a little sparkle and a lot of personality. Um, I think I bring that out in my horses as well because, uh, obviously, I have a lot of personality too. Um, and I feel like who I am is very also transparent and it's, it's like that's that's me. That's who I am. Um, which draws out my horses, their own selves, you know, as well. But um, I always look for a little sparkle in the eye and that they're people orientated and engaged, you know, that they want to know what you're doing, like what you're up to. Uh, horses that aren't that way, I try to pull them out of themselves. That's also through the riding, you know, to make them a little bit more confident of like, come on, girl. Be loud and proud. You're beautiful. Like, get out there, you know. Um, I definitely, you can definitely hear me saying that to some of my horses as well. Uh, so, yeah, I, I I like a horse I'm going to enjoy. I like horses that whinny to me, who come to the front of the stall when I walk in the barn. Like, everyone's happy to see me. They're engaged. Uh, they want to be ridden. They're happy in the cross ties. Uh, that's the kind of horses that make my whole day. Do you love dressage? Are you looking to inspire your ride? Do you long to learn the secrets of truly great riders? Yes? Then you're in the right place. Join classically trained, internationally competitive dressage rider JJ Tate as she brings inspired conversations, in-depth discussions, and a healthy dose of humor to the world of dressage. Join JJ and her new generation of classical riders in this adventure called Dressage Life. Today's episode was originally featured in JJ's online community, Team Tate TV, a private Facebook group of inspired and supportive dressage lovers just like you. If you're on Facebook, we welcome you to join the conversation there. You'll find the date for the original recording in the show notes. And now, here's JJ. Hey guys! Okay, I'm still just so, just feel so great about being on the Apple podcast. It's so exciting. And uh, yeah, there's always more information in there about if you want to join the Academy. It's a pretty fun group. Um, lots of great videos. We've got all kinds of different horses, all kinds of different subjects, different exercises. A new video comes out every week. It's just been the calling of my life. I had no idea. I think about sitting here at home 2021 and what freaking 2020 looked like. I was freaking out wondering what's going to happen. How am I going to do this? I can't teach clinics. That's a big part of who I am and what I do. And then we just decided to bring my writing, my teaching Charles is teaching, we would bring it right to you, to your living room. <laughs> or sometimes people watch it before bed and then I get this weird message from their husband that like they meet me for the first time and they're like, I know your voice. I'm like, I, I am sorry you hear this in bed at night <laughs> because that's when, you know, his wife is uh, watching the videos. <laughs> but um, it's truly been a calling for me and... I had a really fun discussion yesterday with Catherine Respis from Red Mare Enterprise, who we both feel she's um, 
really the kind of the boss of Red Mare and Cerise does all of my account managing for Team Tate Academy. They're amazing. But both of us were talking about how we didn't even know this was going to exist a year and a half ago, even like a year. We kind of came up with the, I came up with the idea uh, like now, last year. And it's just been wonderful what it's turned into and we're just so proud of it. We're so pleased. You guys all love it. I get at least like a message every couple days uh, on Facebook about what the Academy means to people, what the teaching means to them, how it's helped their horse, how they found their joy back in their riding, how they didn't think their horse was fancy enough. But through the exercises in the Academy, they have found a whole new way for the horse to go. It's just been just truly an honor of my life to be able to share with you guys. Uh, I hope you guys find that fun that you get a new video every week of a different exercise on a different horse from rescue ponies to Grand Prix horses. Um, Cause we do it all, we do it all here, so. Do you want to learn how to communicate in a way that your horse can better understand? Check out Team Tate Academy, JJ's online classical dressage academy. As a member, you'll gain clarity through the USDF accredited lesson library, monthly Zoom meetings, and twice monthly live study group called the Tackroom Chats. Join the community and benefit from connecting with a fun, passionate, and like-minded group of dressage lovers just like you. Be supported and empowered to make the progress you and your horse deserve, regardless of age, level, or background. Be inspired. JJ's commitment to your success shines through in every lesson and lecture. Let JJ's belief in you and your horse transfer over to every one of your rides. Visit teamtateacademy.com slash podcast today to join the waitlist for the next open enrollment. Yeah, tonight I'm going to talk about what to look for in a horse. I was laughing with Marie Stewart because she won again. Um, we were talking about it all day today. We were like, what should I talk about tonight? I'm like, I don't know. We're going to a show. I've already talked about that. We, we had a big trip. I've already talked about that. <laughs> so like, what should I talk about? So I'm going to take notes from all of your great ideas that you guys wrote in. I appreciate that. I got a couple text messages. I will definitely, you know who you are. I will definitely get to those topics as well because there's always so much to talk about. Uh, but tonight I thought it would be fun to talk about, you know, what I look for. That was Marie's idea, and a lot of people second that. And, I mean, I just partnered on a horse with Helgstrand, which is pretty fun and pretty amazing, and I still, like, pinch myself because I can't believe it. I love him so much, and yes, he is red, of course, red with a lot of white, even a little belly spot, which I love. His name is Ivar. I love him. Are there hearts in my eyeballs? Because I feel like when I talk about my horses, <laughs> that's that happens. Um, but yeah, like what about him made me say, wow. I mean, we went there looking for a client and I sat on him and I, I trotted two, probably two steps. And I was like, well, I don't know. This is going to be the right horse for my client because he's kind of young at eight. But I love him. Like, I love, I love him. Just wow. Right away. It was a uh, love at first trot. <laughs> and then canter. And uh, yeah, we'll go into that. What about a horse like that um, speaks to me. And what I look for as a general basis of, you know, and I actually 
should do another talk about like what makes a good horse, although it's all kind of the same ideas. Because I, ever since I trained uh, Summersby, my Sir Donnerhall mare to the Grand Prix, she had so many amazing qualities and I love her. And now she's, uh, we're working on breeding her. So keep your fingers crossed. We need as much help as possible. She's up at our friend's house, High Point Hanoverian with Klaus and Larissa. Hey. <laughs> and like, she was such a good horse. And it was like, she wasn't the horse you would pick out of a warm up and say, wow, that horse is amazing. But to ride her, you would, every one of you would love her. And like, what were those qualities? And so I've always thought like, I should write an article about what makes a good horse, you know? And it's like so many things you don't ever really talk about. You know, it's, of course it should not have like a horrible club foot or a terrible long saggy back and a like totally um, terrible neck and crooked legs and all kinds of things. You know, I mean, that's pretty obvious, but what are those internal attributes that really make a fine horse? Something that's fun to train, it's gonna withstand the work, it, you know, you're gonna have success in whatever success is for you. That doesn't mean you have to be going, you know, I wanna go to the Olympics on this horse. You know, maybe it's like, I just wanna have a good time. Like I wanna I want be able to trail ride it once a week and not like pray for my life. You know, there's all kinds of different things that when you're looking for things, when you're looking for a horse, um, what those qualities are. And I do think it's important for you as a client and your, and your trainer, like everyone needs to know what the criteria is. And Carol, I see your don't be hating on the club feet. <laughs> it's, it's, it's in, it's on the backside of my notes of what you can live with. And we can live with Dewey, even with part of his tongue missing and a club foot. We will live with Dewey because he's amazing. But like in general, like let's go through a little bit of the list of things that are important. And I didn't mean to do this in a most important, least important kind of thing, but I, I think I did do that. <laughs> so the first part for me is rideability, hands down hands down. And that doesn't mean all my horses are easy to ride. I mean, I got some hot, redheaded, you know, feisty ones. I have some very energetic, young bay ones. I have a slightly feral rescue pony. We all know who I'm talking about. <laughs> but it's, it's about feeling that when you're around them, when you ride them, you have a sense that they want to be your partner. That is really, really important to me that if I come with 50, they come the other 50. And there's a lot of pieces that go into what that looks like. I had one horse, um, it sounds a little bit weird, but he would never make eye contact with me. I could never look into his soul because he would just like evade me. And I was like, I, I cannot connect with this horse. Like, I don't feel he's looking to me at all. 
And so that's like a fundamental problem for me <laughs> because if I can't like be friends with the horse and want to be in their presence and them want to be in my presence, then it's just going to not work in the long run. Like you can always work hard at making it work, but there are a lot of easier connections or chemistry that that can happen. And again, I always tell my students, um, life is too short to be afraid. If that horse, for whatever it's doing, like whatever it does, sometimes you feel like the horse is going to do more than it ever does, but that like petrifies you. And that's okay to say, this is not my horse, you know? Um, because again, when we're in a fearful state, we just can't learn and we can't grow and we're not having a good time. <laughs> and so if you're not having fun, it's like not, the horse is probably not also having fun because horses are also like so connected to our energy that if we're like uptight and like freaked out and just in a state of like up, we're so up, um, the horse is going to just follow us there. They're like, oh, whoa. What should we be afraid of? Oh, she's nervous. You know, that means there's a predator in the bushes, you know? And so then that just like escalates the whole situation and you need to find a horse that matches you and what you need. Um, like if you're super high intensity, maybe a more quieter horse would be better. Or if you have what we call an electric seat, uh, a lazier horse might work for you. It's amazing sometimes to have horses in my stable and have different people get on them and they're like completely different with different people. Um, so that's always something to be aware of and pay attention to. Um, but again, I want a horse that's rideable. That doesn't mean they're super easy and that does not mean they have no energy but I don't want a horse that is looking to come against me. And we'll get into that a little bit later when we talk about um, throughness and a good mouth and all those things. Um, but, but it's also like horses that I always feel are looking for an out or they're opportunistic and you got to like always like keep them on the straight and narrow like, that's not my favorite kind. <laughs> um, and like every horse has their thing, right? Like one of my horses in my stable um, isn't very supple and, and bendable. I have another one who is extremely supple and needs, and, and very energetic and needs like, who like the turbo boost could lessen a, a little. Like we don't need both turbo engines. We could just like maybe cut one and take it down a couple notches. <laughs> um, sometimes we need to take the wind out of his sails because sometimes it's like hurricane gale force winds and we just need to like, like a, just an easy breeze would be great. Would be clearly enough. Um, some horses you always got to ask to give a little bit more, you've got to decide. I remember one of my best friends um, when I was in Hungary, she was like, I ride best a horse I have to push a little bit. And I thought, huh, 
that's, that's, I would not even categorize myself in any of those categories, but I thought that was interesting that she gets a little, in, she's a fantastic professional Grand Prix international rider. Like she's amazing. Um, and she was like, if it's too hot, I get intimidated and I don't, I don't like it. I don't like to always have to like hold it back. Uh, she goes, I like a horse. Um, she, she had a lot of stallions at the time too. She's like, I like a horse. I have to like push on a little bit more. Um, so I thought that was interesting too, that she knew that about herself and she knew that was the best kind of partner for her. So again, rideability, rideability, rideability through the training I've received through Charles and so many wonderful trainers that I've had the wonderful opportunity to learn from. We can, we can train them to do a lot of things. Um, we can train them to do all, all the things, really. And so if you have a horse that's rideable, that makes the process so much easier than one that you're always having to convince to come to work or get serious or, you know, stop messing around or they're too lazy and they don't want, you know, or they're just too crazy. Like they're just always hectic and thinking about what their friends are doing in the stable. And they're just like, you know, and you're like, okay, we need to like bring it back here. Um, so again, like that horse that looks to me, comes to me, wants to be my partner, wants to like join up. If you want to use one of those words, um, I look for that and I feel that right away uh, from a horse. Body harmony is the next category, I would say. And it's funny because Ashley and I were talking about this uh, on a couple of different horses that we have known in the past and um, one that we have at the moment. And Summer had wonderful body harmony, which, you know, she could do trot or canter until further notice. Like her body just worked in a really easy, like going in a gate was very easy for her. And there was never this like driving or like holding. She just like you asked for canter, she cantered until further notice. Everything was easy for her. Um, of course, Grand Prix is not easy. That's not easy for anybody. Rider, horse, breed, all the things. It's really hard. But you know, a horse that has this internal control of themselves. Um, I think, you know, my next con category is connection and self-carriage. But I do think this like body harmony goes along with that. What I look for uh, is how do they use their body when a rider is on and also sometimes without a rider on. Um, a lot of times at the vet check or whatever, we just want to see them lunge and you just get a good sense of how does that horse carry itself? Um, does the back, you know, it's one of those things of like the power and the engine is in the hind legs. And then the back is like the bridge to take that power up through eventually into the connection. But like, what does that horse's back do? What does the wither and the neck, like what's that natural? What do they want to do with that? Um, and again, then like, what does their eye say about them? You know, and so I always look for this 
this harmony that the body works together with itself. Um, of course, that goes also along with good confirmation. Um, I, I like to think about the horse in a balanced piece, um, looking at the slope of the shoulder and the slope of the hips. Um, I always look at the loin to make sure that the horse isn't too wasp-waisted, that in that lumbar thoracic junction, like the sacroiliac area, like how strong does that look and does the horse use that part properly? Um, nowadays, and we'll get into this a little bit later too, but like nowadays there's just like legs are flinging and flying everywhere and you're just like, whoa, it's the fanciest thing I've ever seen. But like, look at the details of what's actually happening through that connection point because that lumbar sacral connection piece is what's going to be able to like lift that horse's forehand inside the collection. And of course, you know, the Grand Prix is all about collection, pirouettes, piaf, passage, transitions. Um, the zigzag is so hard, you know, like all that collection and sitting. You can teach a lot of horses to move in a bigger gait when they can collect and engage properly. So for me, again, when I look at that body harmony, I also want to look for that good confirmation, especially through, you know, what that horse's top line does um, in general. And then if there's a little harmony that's not quite there, you know, the horse looks a little disconnected or one, the neck is moving kind of different from the back and maybe the hind legs are pushing too much, you know, is that then a product of, is that totally who they are? Or is that a little bit the training? Is it a little bit the circumstances? Um, I do keep that a little bit in perspective as well, but be careful to buy the project. Not all problems can be fixed. So we want to start from the best possible place uh, that we can. So if it's, you know, we'll get into contact too, but like if it's really heavy in the contact, don't think like, oh, well, with my riding, I will fix that. Like sometimes horses are just yucky in the hand and no matter how good you train it, it will just always want to revert back to that. Um, so we always want to start with what we're going to love, you know, the most. So again, this like um, swing in the body, this locomotion that really goes through the whole horse uh, in a really harmonious, soft picture. Um, then, of course, we get to connection, which is like one of my favorite things. I mean, I am a broken record about self-carriage, which goes into a little bit also that whole idea of the body harmony, right? Like if this horse is like struggling in its body, where is it going to brace? It's going to brace right up into your um, connection and be like, you know, like the power of its hind legs just braces right up into the neck and just jacks up into your contact. Um, that, that's, that's a hard, hard thing to fix. <laughs> um, but when I talk about connection, 
I look for two things, not only the physical connection that I want to feel in my rain, in my hand, like how does this horse connect from the hind leg over the back, over the wither, through the jowl, through the pole, the, into the jaw, and what do I, does it draw onto my ring finger and make this like beautiful round uh, bascule? Like what, it, what's that connection? Really pay attention to that. But then again, going back to the first part of the rideability, can I create this connection from my spirit to that horse's spirit? Like, are we on the same? You know, like when you meet someone that you're like, I think we're going to be friends or I want to go on a date with that person. There's like this connection. You're just like, I don't know. Like we just had this connection. That's also evident uh, with horses. And you want to make sure that you feel that um, connection. And then again, that body harmony and what kind of physical connection does that make uh, from your leg into your hand um, as well. Going back a little bit to the good confirmation and the body harmony thing, I think it's also really important to note what the horse does in their joints when their hooves make contact with the ground. So we're now in the time of the super horse. The breeders have created these incredible animals that are like rubber-legged and just like bouncy balls. And it's amazing. You're looking at like knees and hocks and it's just like, wow, like look at the knees and hocks, like just like flying around. But it's easy to get distracted by that of like, whoa, that's, I can't stop staring at how off the ground that horse is. But you want to make sure that you're looking at the opposite legs to say, what does that horse's joints do when that hoof and the weight makes impact on the ground? When you hear a horse, like we had this one video that came in. It was such a beautiful horse. And we're like, wow, you know, we really liked it. And then we somehow got the volume to like click on. And it was like thunder footing around the arena. And I was like, whew. My coffin joints just hurt watching, hearing this horse like thud on his legs. And I thought, well, that is not sustainable soundness right there because the lack of self-carriage and buoyancy and elasticity in the joints, like you could hear it. And it was a beautiful, big moving young horse. But I was like that, like bam, bam, like that lead front leg of the canter, we were like, new. No. Um, that's way too like tight and strong and hitting the ground way too hard. So I think it's also interesting to note, what does the supportive leg do? Almost more important, like does the horse actually bend? Like if you think about a, a jumping horse and they have to like jump over the fence, that coiling of the horse's hind end joints, that's what you want to look at when they're trotting and cantering. So you want to think about like, what does the 
the sacrum, you know, does the sacrum roll? Does the hip stifle hock and fetlock? Like, does that, like, compress um, in, a, in a good way? Like, does the horse um, coil the springs? Because, or is it just, like, hitting the ground and then, like, bah, you know, like, bouncing off the ground with stiff joints? Because it's possible and you can do it, but if it has supple joints, that is where you also want to start. Um, another thing, uh, I don't want the fetlocks to be like dropping down too far. Um, Richard knows this when we look at sale videos, it's just, like this amazing moving young horse, but it's like, like just like the hoof hits the ground and like, you know, down through the cannon bone and the, the fetlock just like drops down and I'm like, nope, also not. <laughs> because again, that's a lot of strain and overly taxing just just at a normal trot. Um, it's going to do that later in life when it's passaging and, um, you know, things like that. Like we will put stress on their legs to do this. We have to make sure we start from the most healthiest place. Um, and those are things I also look at as well. So moving on to, again, the next favorite topic <laughs> is, and I, and I couldn't decide what word to use, so I, I started with throughness, which worked into permeable, which then, of course, I can't leave out the German word der Klesigkeit, which then, I looked that up, and I was like, okay, what does this definition, like, even say? And I loved it because it was like, you know, when a, when a smell like permeates the room um, or like heat permeates through the room, like it's just everywhere. It just goes through. It's in the air. Um, that's the kind of thing, not only with the driving of your leg, do you need that to like come through the whole horse's body? But that half halt also needs to be able to make that horse a little shorter and elastic in its body, like a little rubber band, right? Like collected extension. And that's that like permeability uh, and that throughness, you know, we're really looking for. So another words that came into the definition was transmissiveness, openness, flexibility, and responsiveness. So I like that too, because so many people, there's like this giant epidemic of horses being behind my leg. And yet we're also like holding on to their faces so tight and tightening the nose bands and like gah, gah, hold the contact and kick him. You know, of course the horse is a little bit like blocked and doesn't know what to do and feels that just starts to get behind the leg because we're kind of blocking them in a weird way. And so for me, this... Going back to the body harmony too, there's this like power and then bring the power back and bigger and smaller and lower and higher and bend and straight and this elasticity through the horse listening to what I'm asking it to do, that there's this responsiveness of effort, like forward and back and smaller and lower and, you know, just that it's the horse is truly like at your fingertips and your whim. And that's not because you've scared it into doing that. 
is because you've trained it, um, you know, through the vocabulary that we talk about in the academy, uh, the daily vocabulary of long strides, short strides, um, long neck, short neck, and bending and straightness, that we're just working on it every day, but that the the original product that the horse is in himself brings that ability a little bit easier than a horse that is just one neck and like one tempo and it's, you know, kind of, kind of stiff. Another word that came up was transparency. And I thought that is interesting because that for me goes along with the rideability and the good character of, I want a horse that is also transparent. So like, they don't have anything like up their sleeve, you know, or they're not going to like all of a sudden do some weird, crazy thing. Uh, because there's like this buck under the saddle that just lives there. Like, I want that to be transparent. Like, I want to know what's in there. And I want to be able to see it and feel it and know it. Like, don't be hiding anything under the saddle. Mm -mm. Um, so that transparency was, was also, you know, when you go to Germany, they're always like, he's very clear in the head. And I love that because that's also this idea of, yeah, you can just see what's in there and you know what's in there. And I like that. I like to know. I do not like surprises. I, I'm okay to deal with stuff, but I don't want a surprise. <laughs> um, and again, you know, the bridge. Uh, um, I do look at the top line. I always want the top line to be um, longer than the bottom line, right? So sometimes we see a horse that's... Um, short in the back, but then like long on the bottom line. And then it kind of um, tucks up towards the stifle. And that, again, we talk about that being like wasp waisted. And then that loin for me looks like a little bit of a weak connection point. Um, so I want that top line to look really filled up. Um, moving on to the next subject. I want good bones. I want good feet and a solid confirmation. So another thing we talk about, I want a nice strong back. Um, for me, I'm a little bit open about short and long. I have trained all kinds. So um, again, as long as the loin is not weak, I don't mind a little bit longer back. Sometimes that has a bit more motion and movement to it. So I'm okay with that. Um, a short back can be strong, but sometimes stiff. Think a little bit like a wrestler versus a ballerina. You know, it's a longer lines versus like short, tight. Um, but I, I, you know, I don't have, I just don't want a weak back uh, is the big thing. But when I look at the horse's neck and head, what's, I'm looking to see if I have any examples of it. Um, I don't think so. I'll bring diagrams and pictures next time. <laughs> or if you join the academy, I'll probably do a lecture on this at some point too. Um, but you want the you want to be able to fit like three fingers through the horse's um, uh, like neck and the end of the jowl. So that like throat latch and like the first bone and then his jowl. You want to be able to have some space in there because sometimes. 
and you can see on some horses they're like pushing that piece out and then there's like a bulge because like going on the bit for that horse actually is really like restrictive um, in their guttural pouches and through the connective piece there. So you don't want to be fighting with that forever either. So I like to look for a very like smooth neckline and jowl and uh, a, a very open uh, throat latch as well. So feet. Okay, this is like a really difficult subject. <laughs> and I'm sure I'll probably interview some farriers at some point because why not? Um, but again, no foot, no horse. We all know that. Um, they're probably not going to match your two front feet. Um, but you want to really have something you can live with. Um, I like a good solid foot that looks balanced under the horse's weight. Um, yeah. And just like, you know, no weird, uh, bulges or quarter cracks or, you know, the, the, uh, that it's not just a bad farrier job like you want to look for a foot that supports that horse's body moving on to a good mouth this is important for me because i'm gonna live with this horse all the time i'm gonna ride it all the time be around it all the time it's gonna live with me probably forever so i don't want something that's just like ick you know it's always dead mouthed or like has a pull or a brace or a cross lock um, that's no fun for me. I've certainly ridden that. I have certainly trained that. But for me to want to buy that with my own hard-earned hard money, no, not, I do not want to do that. I will train it. I will train it because I have trained everything. But um, that's not my first choice. <laughs> my for you know, and I've got a um, an old injury in my L five in my back. So there are certain horses that start to pull in a certain way. And I, it was like, oof. Uh, I don't have any in my barn now, but like looking for horses, we, we get on it and I'm like, no, this pulls right at my back and I cannot do this. Um, we took a client to Germany and she had had an old fracture in her neck. And so this horse wasn't particularly super strong, but the way it pulled into the rain like she took one circle and she got off and she was like no it's like pulling right on my neck like I cannot no this is a no and for the next rider the horse was great and they didn't feel anything they had no problem with it but like for whatever for her and her injury that just like poked the bear for sure um so for me I have to be careful with my back um and so there's certain horses that pull in a certain way or like certain canters that can aggravate that uh, for me. So I always want to make sure uh, that the horse has a has a, a good a good mouth. Um, it can have kind of a tough neck, but I I don't like a hard mouth, um, which of course moves us into tongues. <laughs> um, I got a few interesting horses in the barn at the moment with um, uh, old old history with some tongue things. Um, knock on some wood, they are much better. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that is, that is a hard, you know, you want, you don't want to have too thick of a tongue. Some horses have too big of a tongue for their little mouth. Some of them have a short mouth, you know, so I've learned a lot from Kim Gentry from Bits and Such about mouth conformation and what kind of bit 
Um, we have so many different choices of bits, so I feel um, it's just important to know what you're getting into, know what you're buying. Um, but again, tongue, tongue problems, um, it, a lot of times just comes from lack of throughness. So I go back to then, what is that horse's self-carriage like? Um, and throughness because you know that tongue is like the last muscle of the top line so if that's like pulled up and doing whatever something else is also going on in the neck which is probably also related to what's happening in the back so again that goes into connection for me as well so then we move on we were just talking about my l5 and my friend's neck so now we need to talk about sitable gates can i ride it you know, not only do we want rideability in the first place, but it's also like, can I actually sit on it in a comfortable way? Um, the size of the barrel matters. The length of your leg matters. Um, the, the saddle position and how that energy goes up into the saddle, into your body. Um, some horses look totally smooth and are not comfortable at all. Some look like they are the biggest movers on the planet and they're super smooth. Um, so it is important to be able to sit on that horse and, and feel, do I fit on this horse? How does the power generated from the hind legs transfer through the back into the contact for a connection? But how does that, uh, go into my body, you know, as well. And there have been many horses that have just hit, hit my body wrong. Um, for the next rider, they were perfect. Um, so that kind of confirmation does matter and it's worth to get up there and, and feel that out. Some horses are very wide. Some horses look super wide and have a really good place for your leg to hang. So it's always about finding that out. Um, let's talk about the gates for a second. Not only do I want to be able to sit it uh, and not have it like pull on me in a negative way, but always, always, always buy a good walk. A good walk. It is the most important. Then it is related to the canter. Buy a good canter because you can make an international trot. That's so much more um, trained in. We can train Piaf, we can teach a Passage, there's all kinds of ways to teach them to do that. Um, Spanish walk, you can do it all kinds of things to teach them how to uh, make that happen. But always buy a good walk and always buy a good canter. Uh, and, a, and a trot you can sit, to be honest. Don't think that if you're not riding eight horses a day and you get this great horse and it's a little bouncy for you, that you're going to learn how to sit that trot. That trot might be really difficult to sit, no matter if you were a professional rider or not. So make sure you buy gates that you are going to enjoy and be able to ride um, in that way as well. So then, of course, I go into personality <laughs> because, again, you're going to be with this horse. I mean, hopefully for a very long time, you should get along. Um, I personally like a little sparkle and a lot of personality. 
Um, I think I bring that out in my horses as well, because uh, obviously I have a lot of personality too. Um, and I feel like who I am is very also transparent and it's, it's like, that's, that's me, that's who I am, um, which draws out my horses, their own selves, you know, as well. But um, I always look for a little sparkle in the eye and that they're people orientated and engaged, you know, that they want to know what you're doing, like what you're up to. Uh, horses that aren't that way, I try to pull them out of themselves. That's also through the riding, you know, to make them a little bit more confident of like, come on, girl, be loud and proud. You're beautiful. Like, get out there. You know, um, I definitely you can definitely hear me saying that to some of my horses as well. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, I like a horse I'm going to enjoy. I like horses that whinny to me who come to the front of the stall when I walk in the barn. Like, everyone's happy to see me. They're engaged. Uh, they want to be ridden. They're happy in the cross ties. Uh, that's the kind of horses that make my whole day. Um, and since I spend my whole day here, that's important. <laughs> um, we get into a little bit uh, injuries and surgeries. I am not totally against a colic surgery. Um, again, you always have to just like match your goals, what, where you are based in reality, what you want to accomplish, what is your timeline, and will that horse be able to hold up to that, that job? So, um, again, I've had a couple horses in the stable that have had colic surgeries, uh, before I met them, they've, knock on wood, never had a colic problem, uh, even though they had that situation happen. So yeah, it's just about get all the detail you can about things like that. Um, same with misbehavior, honestly. Um, I've had a lot of different horses that have reared or really bad buckers. Um, and they all did it a little bit for different reasons and all turned out, all turned out pretty good. So, uh, and were successful in what they were doing. So for me, it's always about, again, I don't like surprises. I do not like surprises. So if that's up the sleeve, I need to know about it. Um, but then it's a little bit interesting always to figure out why that horse is doing that. Um, is it insecurity? Is it dominance? Is it claustrophobia? Um, is there something wrong with its back? Uh, does it just need to run in a big field more often with friends? You know, it's like there's ways to figure that out. Um, so again, I'm not totally against misbehavior um, as long as it's not um, chronic, but I have not come to that, that it's um, a chronic uh, non-negotiable behavior that we can't improve. So, um, yeah, so I guess, you know, it really comes down to what can I live with? What do I want to live with? Um, you know, things that the seller tells you, hey, it needs a lot of turnout. Please listen to that. <laughs> um, you want to have the horse be successful uh, as it can be and take the information from the owner, um, you know, to help that horse make that transition as easy and wonderful as possible because all programs are different and you don't want to have to repeat and run into the same learning experience, you know, that maybe this owner has already gone through. So with that, all I have here is my isogenics container. <laughs> but with that, let's have a toast to 
riding and finding the right partner for you. And I hope you guys found that helpful and I will see you soon. All right. Thanks for joining. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Dressage Life with JJ Tate. Make sure to tell your friends that they can find us wherever they get their podcasts and be sure to subscribe, like, and leave feedback to help other dressage lovers inspire their rides too. For more information and education from JJ Tate, make sure to visit teamtateacademy.com slash podcasts. Once there, take the next step towards joining JJ's new generation of classical riders by signing up for our mailing list. And we'll say thanks by sending you a special gift, your own copy of JJ's ebook, Riding Your Horse Sound, a comprehensive guide to developing a healthy and happy dressage partner. The podcast you just listened to is produced and powered by Red Mare Enterprises, creating possibilities through branding, modern digital solutions, and project management. We know the horse industry inside and out.